This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's get things going. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Let's see you on the program today. Flames practicing in Detroit this afternoon. Getting set for a matchup against the Red Wings tomorrow. Those same Red Wings welcomed in the Edmonton Oilers yesterday for a showdown at Little Caesars Arena. Falling 5-2 to the Oilers. Flames would like to take some of those lessons from last night's Oilers game and apply them to uh, hopefully a win tomorrow. 5 o'clock puck drop. Means 4 o'clock, Flames warm up with Pat and Peter Labardius. We'll get into all things Calgary Flames that are around the NHL coming up with Lou in just moments. Also on the program today, uh, checking in on both teams ahead of the Super Bowl this week. Uh, we will dive into the Eagles today with the host of uh, the Eagles Insider Podcast. Dave Spadaro is going to join us. Can the Eagles pull off what might be an upset? Another loss, perhaps, for the Kansas City Chiefs in a Super Bowl. We'll talk about them later on. And uh, with a short show tomorrow, because of that early flame start, uh, we'll bring in our pal Adnan Verk from MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. Talk Bo Bichette, avoiding arbitration with the Blue Jays. And uh, a couple other things with Adnan a little bit later on on the program. But let's kick things off like we always do. Time to head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest hotline, and welcome in the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He is Peter Labardius, and he is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, one more day off for the Flames, and then... Uh, back at it in Detroit against the Red Wings, who fell to the Edmonton Oilers last night. And uh, you had uh, an interesting tweet. I wanted to start things off with. You were uh, you're a big fan of that arena in Detroit, eh? <laughs> I am. I am. There really isn't much about it, Logan, that I don't like. Where Little Caesars is concerned, I know that uh, the reason I sent out the tweet is that Ryan Dietrich, who does such a great job. Um, as part of the Calgary Flames TV, audio, you name it, um, writing group, sent out a picture of the steep seating and, um, you know, of a lot of new rinks that I've been in, including Edmonton. And Edmonton's a lovely facility, but it has very graduated seating, meaning that, you know, even in the lower bowl, 
you can feel like you're a long ways away. When you walk into Little Caesars, um, no matter if you're in the upper deck, lower deck, you are basically right on top of the action. The other thing, selfishly, about it is there are a lot of um, press boxes and arenas in the United States that are not television and radio friendly, even though I think in many ways, and again, selfish, and a little biased probably is a better word than selfish, <laughs> you know, we are helping to convey the National Hockey League's product. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of buildings, um, you know, the writers actually are in a better spot than the actual broadcast booths. But that's not the case in Detroit. First of all, they have a gondola, you know, somewhat like Calgary, where you are out over the ice. You're up. But for people who don't know, and I do get asked this, so I'm glad we've started here today, um, up is fine, but you have to be out and over. The worst situations, and and frankly, whether people want to hear it or not, um, in radio and in secondary TV spots, is Edmonton. Like, you are a million miles away. You just are. And, you know, again, that's another place where the writers are a level below the people actually calling the games. And it's not that I don't think they're important. They are, but they're not conveying the game live. Yes, they are live tweeting. Yes. But I think for me, as they have in Detroit, um, there's a gondola. So you're out and over. And also the, the radio booths and the television booths, which really are the most important, whether you want to admit it or not, and I don't have any trouble because I, I know that the majority of people watch rather than listen to games, although we're very happy and thank goodness people still do, um, that in Detroit at Little Caesars, those booths are on the lower of the two tiers, and the writers are above. Also, um their history is very well represented with statues, pictures. I love the corridor. And the other unique thing for me that I think is incredibly practical and smart, Logan, is the restaurants, and they are a plenty, are not only accessible from the inside, they're also accessible from the outside. So they give you options you know, for year-round activity as opposed to, you know, some places that, you know, you can go stretches where you're not going to have your concessions or restaurants, you know, really have a lot of activity. And that would not, you know, be any different for them. But, you know, if you have a good restaurant and it's a great place to go for lunch or dinner, you could do it all year round regardless of whether there was an event or not. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really, that's something I've never really seen completely before. So I like that. Um, dressing rooms are great. Media rooms. Excellent. Um, pretty easy to get around. They yeah, have a practice rink in it. the, in the facility as well. Don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, that is, you know, it comes with great expense. And 
but it's incredibly handy, you know, even in Edmonton. And I say this a lot is, you know, I love the construction. That's what they call the downtown community arena, which is the practice rink adjacent to the main surface at Rogers place might be one of my favorite parts of the whole building because they did a wonderful job and lots of teams and leagues and, you know, tournament play has happened there. It's, it's, you know, they did a marvelous job with that part of it. Yeah, and it's so interesting, you know, and you're right, we do have these conversations that come up. The, the, by the way, it's a question that comes up, I would say, weekly, whenever I'm going through the mailbag and uh, mm-hmm. figuring out what we're going to ask for what does Lou say every Friday, we always get arena questions. What's your favorite vantage point? What's your favorite one for for watching from the stands? What's, you know, where's your favorite yeah. place to travel to? And there's... There's so much that goes into it. And from a Detroit standpoint, Lou, you know, Joe Lewis was so filled with history and memories in Detroit. Not that this replaces it entirely, but I mean, you had a pretty big shoes to fill in Detroit in a sense. Well, you did, um, although it's funny. And, you know, I was lucky enough to cover a Stanley Cup there, um, playoff games there. I, you know, did a lot of Flames games, Oiler games. Um, either on the TV side or on the radio side. And Logan, I just, that building just never did it for me, which is odd. There is generally not a hockey rink in the world that I don't find redeeming qualities in. But I was not a big lover of Joe Lewis. Now, I I will say that, yes, steeped in tradition, um, you know, seating in the lower bowl was excellent. So it was, it, but I mean, it was really run down. Um, I don't really want to ruin anybody's lunch with the smell that hit you when you walked in the back door <laughs> where you entered the rink for media and the teams. Um, you know, the broadcast booth was not great by any stretch. So, um yeah, it, uh, it's one of my least favorites, actually, of all time, Joe Lewis. That's interesting. Yeah, it's funny how that, how you wouldn't think that. And as, you know, somebody points out in the text line, too, you know, as Lou would know, where you sit as a broadcaster and where you sit as a fan are two very different things. It, absolutely. And, and it completely changes the experience um, because... You know, first and foremost, as a broadcaster, um, what do I look for? What I look for is what vantage point do we have? Is it good? What's the size of the booth? Um, You know, how accessible is it to get to and from maybe dressing rooms and where you need to go? But first and foremost, um, I'm, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of what is going to allow me to do my job the best that's first. And then all the rest of the bells and whistles, depending on what they are and what you covet comes after that. You know, the other thing about our job too is, you know, when we were traveling or whether it's the great Tim Khalil, who we all love very much and appreciate very much um, in our booth in Calgary, is, you know, who's in your booth? 
running it technically and not unlike other situations there, you know, Winnipeg was always one of my favorites because the gentleman in Winnipeg was just so invested in the game and he's so helpful. And again, made your job better and always look forward to seeing him. And so there's lots of different things that go into it. And, you know, very true. Um, I, 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 I view it very different when I go to events and, you know, I go to a lot of ranks and a lot of games <laughs> yes, and a lot of different sports. Um, Cause it's what I love the most. And so, yes, it, it's a, it's, it's a very, very different kind of experience. And, and I do look at it differently, you know, based on, am I going as a fan? Um, and I never really completely in some regards feel like I'm a fan. There are some events, uh, i.e. one I went to in January yes. um, where I was absolutely a fan. But even at that, Logan, when you do what I do, you're always studying, yeah. You're always looking. You're always, you know, as my good buddy Sam Cosentino would say, Lou, you're always looking to put something in your helmet. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you went down that road because I, I do. I I do get those questions in my own travels mm-hmm. a lot, and you know, it's it's one of the changes that that I would make. But again, I'm biased. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, building new buildings, it's about how you can generate the most revenue. And guess who doesn't really bring in a lot of revenue? Mm-hmm. People like us. Yeah. And where we call games from and where we watch from. Yeah. Because it's not like we're paying a premium to do it. <laughs> no. We pay in other ways, yeah. but yes. Uh, with the, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius here on Sportsnet today. He joins us every single day to kick off the program. And uh, one more day well, without uh, game day, Lou, and then back at it tomorrow for the Flames against the Detroit Red Wings. Interesting to have a little two-day gap in between for the team uh, before jumping back into Detroit. I wonder how much you know the two-day gap will kind of affect the momentum potentially coming off of that New York game. I wondered if it wasn't, you know, just a day off and then a game day or back-to-backs, how much would have, you know, sort of carried over from that game against the Rangers into their next game against Detroit. You know what, Logan? Um, Here's what I've really grown to believe, and that is I don't truly believe that one game really feeds itself into the next. I really don't. Okay. I'm not even sure one period in the sport feeds into the next, you know, and there's, and there's lots of reasons for why I feel that way. I do think, you know, whether it's early calls or early success or, you know, where you're, where you are with the game in your preparation, you know, more mentally than physically, I think all of that comes into play. Um, you know, and as the season goes along, depending on your situation, you try to be the most consistent group you possibly can. But, you know, even we're, we're going to be in the, in the booth on, you know, February 18th when the Rangers come back. It's not going to be like that game. Now, I hope to goodness it is, but, you know, if I was on bet three, six, seven, nine, five, or whatever it is this week, <laughs> um, 
I'm, I'm probably, <laughs> you know, going under the money line on is that game going to match the one that we just witnessed? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's really your ability as a team to have a standard of how you want to play and put that on the table, regardless of it's home on the road. And, you know, it, it changes every night. All it takes is, you know, sometimes, and I think I'm, I'm not blaming them, but I, I think the referees early in that game actually made an impact because there were three or four things very early in the first period that didn't get called. And then the first call was made and that immediately, like the one thing I would say to fans today listening is one thing I've learned over the years is this, the first call made in a game penalty wise by and large will set the tone for the majority of the game in how it's going to be worked. And that's the other part. No two guys work together the same as officials, especially now in two man crews. Um, You know, there's a lot of very young inexperienced referees in the national hockey league. Now that has a factor. So that's what I look for. And, you know, depending on how that tone is set, And sometimes, you know, games, like if you're the Edmonton Oilers, here's, here's the comparison. Let's just use Calgary and Edmonton. If I'm Calgary with the style of my team and how I want to play, I want a little less in terms of, you know, I want you to, I want you to allow me to play more. If, If you're Edmonton, you want everything called preferably on your opponent because that feeds them and their stars and what they do best. But you can learn a lot. I truly believe. And I've, you know, I, I watch it really closely. I, I wish I could give credit to the individual six or seven years ago who looked at me and said, Peter, watch the first call of every game. And I went, yeah, you're right. That's very true. So, have have looked at it that way and and you know a, a bad call a missed call a lot of those things logan early can raise the ire and the passion of the game and you know those things feed off one another one thing i wanted to ask you about today that we didn't get into yesterday and i think it was an important point to uh to talk about uh, i know pat's brought it up i'm sure you guys talked about it on the post game show a bit uh, was the new look power play units that we saw in New York. And it's a big change for the Flames because, A, I don't think the power play has been operating at the level the team has hoped for so far this year, Lou. And two, really since day one of opening night, those power play units, they've tweaked the second unit here and there, but to change them up as much as they did heading into that game in New York was a pretty big move from this coaching staff. And it might just be for you know, five or six games to give the groups a bit of a reset. But it's interesting that the Flames decided to go down a new path with that day one out of the All-Star break. Well, I'm glad you went down this road. And, yes, we did address it, certainly on the post-game show after the game. Um, You know, because none of us were privy until we saw it unfold for ourselves on Monday night. Is breaks are always fascinating. 
So the players get a break, Logan. The coaches don't. They really don't. And what that time allows them to do, they'll get a couple days in there for sure. And I know they did because I've talked to a couple of them about what they did, you know, during that same time frame. But again, it's an opportunity for coaches to completely look and assess your first in the Flames case, 50 games of the season. So, you know, in the position that they are in, what are you trying to do? Well, not necessarily fix, but you want to alter key areas that have not been at the level that you would like. And the Flames, and I look at it, as you know, thanks very much in part to Daryl, I look at power plays and penalty kills differently now. For me, it's not as much about percentage. It's about the number you give up and the number you get. And I know that Daryl wants to see his team get in that top 15 neighborhood in the league, and then he would break it down even farther and should as far as the Pacific Division and where you sit there. And we know in the Pacific Division, nobody's catching the Oilers. We know that. Okay. But can even from here on in, can you be better than other teams you're chasing and trying to climb over in that area the rest of the way? Because you can't get back the first 50. So I think what we saw on Monday tells you the only reason you make some pretty drastic change is why you have to. And you feel like what you've done is broken and it's not getting better. And like you, I, I don't know how it's going to go. The only thing that really struck me about what they did, this is not a team this year that has, A, really used that part of their game to as much of an advantage, whether it's driving their five-on-five play, whether it's getting some of their most gifted offensive players going. It, it really hasn't worked that way all that often. Even like, you know, scoring overall. I do know this. I bet they haven't lost many games this year when they've scored two power play goals in a game. Mm-hmm. And I bet those are nights that they get three or more as well. And so the finite nature of the game is, you know, we're talking about a quarter of a goal here and one way and the other, the rest of the way. That probably gets you in if you really, you know, dig in and do the math and, and look at all the teams. So, you know, it, it's a team by five-on-five five nature, Logan, that is built on its balance and strength. Would you not agree that this team has really turned into a group that, we don't really know who line one, two, or three is, and it can be different every single game. 100%. So I think that thought process, and I'm going to ask Kirk Muller, I'm kind of hoping that he is my guest, um, and I don't know who it is going to be for sure tomorrow uh, in terms of the pregame coaches interview, but you know that's going to be one of the topics the next time I chat with him is going to be, After the break, why did you come out and approach it this way? And what led you to do that? 
And, you know, my inkling is they kind of look at the power play not much differently. Is there, they're looking to get everybody going collectively in some regards. So my take on it was they tried to build two units that are very similar rather than loading up one, which has had, I would say, marginal success through the first 50 games. What do you think? What, what struck you about the change? And, and what have your thoughts been on why they've kind of at least gone this route? And I do think we're going to see it again. Yeah, I, I do. No, I'm with you. I, I think for sure that's why you you saw the changes. I think that this team, even on the power play, can be more effective if they have you know one, two, or three, even four lines going. And I think that same principle can be applied to the power play. And I think it, it can just be even little things, you know, with you know outlets. Who's got a right hand shot, a left hand shot? Who's playing bumper with who? Uh, who's working the half wall, all that sort of thing makes a difference on a power play. And, you know, to to change it up and give guys a bit of a different look on the power play, I, I don't think is a bad thing because I think they have enough guys to to make up two units and to spread it out a bit and not rely so heavily on that top unit for, for all the production that they want. Well, and the truth of the matter is, is one of the reasons they've broken it up too, which is maybe where I should have started, not where I'm kind of finishing with it, is more often than not, two things. I found a lot of nights, the guys who were going and were part of power play units, that unit was the best unit. And the first unit, I would say for about the last month, I have found the second unit who usually gets, you know, 40 seconds in comparison to a buck 20, has been far more simple, effective in 40 or 45 than the other group was in a minute. Yep. So, you know, and you just, you just have people. And again, you know, there's all kinds of shows and things that, that we can listen to. And I had a great conversation recently with a couple of people in the hockey business who I I really think highly of and really trust. And, and they were asking me actually how maybe they could go about telling better stories about the GM's process, um, the coaching process. The truth of the matter is people have no idea the type of work that coaches put in. They don't. They don't know. And, and Logan, one of the reasons that this has happened coming off a break is you have more time. You do not have a lot of time in the rigors. Like you think about the one month where they played 16 games. You barely have enough time to take a game, break it down, and now deal with the next opponent. Now, everybody has a different role on the staff about what those specialty areas are. They're going to get an assignment of what they're in charge of and what they're going to look for. But it is a very important 
tedious. Like, I've watched it for years. The assistant coaches get on the airplane after games. They might have a quick bite to eat, but those computers are open, and they're steaming. There's a little fire coming out of all of them (laughs) as they're generally getting ready for the next opponent. They're thinking about practice plans, what they have to work on. And again, you know, I'm fascinated by that stuff because, you know, I just, I love learning the most I can about the process and why things are done the way they are and what people in the know are looking for. And I, and I don't think I'm alone in that category. So, you know, kind of maybe the first chance I get at some point going down the road, uh, I'm hoping to maybe have a forum or an avenue, you know, outside of what I can relay, and I'm thankful to have it every day that I get five days a week on this hit. But, you know, I'd like, I'd like more of a forum to, to tell more of those stories about the work and the process. And, you know, let's even take, Let's even take Team Canada at the World Junior, just as an example, Logan. What goes into it? How do they arrive at some of the decisions that they make? What's the process? How do they scout it? How do they break it down? What might give a guy an edge where a lot of people in the country who generally take a look and go, how could this guy not come to camp? He's leading the whole CHL in scoring. There are reasons. Now, I also think at times it's, it's a tricky and sticky world because, you know, you, the more you discuss those situations, uh, you know, here's, here's my experience sometimes in hockey. We're all very protective of the knowledge that we have. And when we think we have more than others. And we don't always see the value in sharing Where I think, and I was so happy about that conversation that I had with these two gentlemen, because they seem more open and willing to probably deal with some of those responses by educating people more. Mm -hmm. And that isn't always how people in sports go about their business. In fact, in a lot of cases, and everybody's different, You know, I've learned so much about the game because I have been so blessed and so fortunate, by and large, with with having so many great relationships and people who are willing to answer my questions to help me learn more. And I think a big part of it is that most people who know me know that I'm really invested in the game. But we could really help even people in our industry more by instead of closing everything off, and we don't, you don't have to tell us everything. I'm not saying that. But some of the outside noise actually might quiet down if you looked at it. And I've worked with coaches, even coaches of the Flames, who saw a real opportunity, I think, in part, to utilize me and say, I can kind of get my message through Peter who I talked to prior to every game by helping him understand why we're doing what we're doing. 
No, 100%. Uh, I, I like how you said that, Lou, and uh, rings true. And um, I'm lucky, as a lot of us have been here, that you, know, you, among others, have been so willing to, to share things like that, not only with me in private, but on the air. And I, I certainly appreciate it and hope we do get a chance to, to share more of those. That would be something I would love to do with you. You know uh, how much I appreciate our chats and our time to uh, to talk about all that. So uh, I got to let you go, sir. Got, uh, Great stuff today. Yes. Great stuff today, my friend. Yes, we'll chat Great with you day. tomorrow on a game day, pal. Bye-bye. See ya. Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He kicks off every edition of Sportsnet today, and he does so thanks to our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. We'll be back in a moment here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Logan Gordon along with you. On this Wednesday, February 8th, getting closer and closer to the Super Bowl on the weekend, Eagles and Chiefs Sunday afternoon. We'll start some team previews coming up in hour two with a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll also have uh, noted Eagles fan and Sportsnet 960 regular Adnan Verk. Coming up a little bit later today, we'll see if he's found a spot uh, for him and his kids to go attend the game in Philly. Uh, so don't miss that coming up a little bit later on in the program. And a reminder, the fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet 960. 960-960. Questions, comments, concerns, queries, anything you have, you can throw it in the text line at 960-960. Uh, a couple of things over the last 24 hours that I wanted to go through. Uh, in the world of sports, and of course, we have to start last night with some history in the NBA. The first points came on October twenty. The first points came on October twenty ninth, two thousand three. Nearly twenty years later, it was number thirty eight thousand three hundred eighty eight. LeBron one on one against Kenrick Williams, backing him in, turns, shoots, scores. That shot put LeBron James all alone atop the NBA scoring list as heard on ESPN 710 LA. Yes, LeBron James uh, officially passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and is alone atop the NBA's all-time scoring list. Last night, uh, the countdown was on. You saw it on Sportsnet. The Oklahoma City Thunder doing all they could to prevent it, but you weren't stopping LeBron. He came in. He had the black suit on. He had the headphones with the the number of scoring points on them. It just seemed like he was destined to do it. And sure enough, he goes and and breaks the record last night. Cam, I know you were watching. Absolutely. You were excited for this. Uh, it's not often you get to see history made like that. So there was no way I was missing that game. It was incredible. It, it really was. The call was was as good as, as advertised. The fadeaway was great. And I'll play it one more time. Just the, the call that, you know, sent L.A. into a frenzy and, and got us a, a new all-time score in the NBA. Westbrook with it. Give it to LeBron at the right elbow. LeBron, one-on-one against Kenrick Williams. Backing him in. Turns. Shoots. Scores. Gather round. 
The king, LeBron James, has passed the captain. That's the full clip I wanted to play from uh, ESPN, uh, the radio call of it last night. I don't want to get into the the who is the greatest basketball player of all time conversation because I frankly I just I think if you're if your team LeBron or if your team Michael Jordan or whoever Wilt or Kareem or Kobe or whoever it is, you know, some people will say Magic Johnson, okay, that's great. I just I don't think you're changing people's minds. I think now is just a more opportune time to talk about the greatness that is LeBron James and the fact that he broke a record last night and is going to, he's going to demo the record cam. Like he's going to, he's probably going to finish with 40,000 plus points. 40,000, I think absolutely gets done. Maybe this season. He's not beating the record. He's, he's smashing the record, a record that was thought to be unbreakable. And in our lifetime, we will see, I think Ovechkin break another potential unbreakable record Yeah, in hockey when he eventually passes Wayne Gretzky for the most goals scored in NHL history. I just, it's the, the legacy of LeBron James is an interesting one because of the switching teams, maybe the lack of success in the finals compared to a guy like Michael Jordan. But uh, you just you have to appreciate LeBron for what he is and the fact that he's 38 years old and he's still averaging close to 30 points a game. Just walked out and got, you know, the 36 that he needed. And you knew it was going to happen because he said it was going to happen. Yeah, once, right? that, once that suit came out, because I was like, well, maybe he'll do it in, in Milwaukee the next game. Then that suit came out and you see, oh, all right, everyone's there. You're like, all right, it's it's happening tonight. One of the big things from last night, too, that everybody, and I I found it funny, too, was the just stopping of the game. Yeah. That there was, was so 10 funny. seconds left. <laughs> like, I, and, you know, some OKC's of the, coach is yeah, just someone on the text line is like, do you think the NHL will stop play for 30 minutes when Ovechkin breaks the goals record? I, I mean, probably, I, I guess. I didn't know that was happening. I don't, I'm, I'm not a professed. NBA fanatic. So I didn't I didn't fall. I didn't know that there was going to be a ceremony literally as the guy hit the shot. I thought maybe post game. I thought maybe after the quarter was done. Even that would have made a little bit more sense. seconds left in the third. Just get it over with. But he's just he's like, oh yeah, Bronny, come on out. He can bring his kids and his wife and everything. And like, don't get me wrong, I get its history. I understand it's it's a maybe once in a lifetime event. It did just feel very weird that Oklahoma City was just kind of standing there and being like, all right, whenever you guys are done, you you take your time and you're going to do a speech. Okay, okay, we're going to bring Kareem over and you're going to hand him the ball. Okay, that's very oh, – oh, Adam Silver, you're, you've got something to say too. Okay, that's – okay, well, yeah, you guys just take your time. We'll – We'll finish this up whenever. Oh, Brian, you're gonna make your speech. Yeah, all right, go yeah, on. Okay, go on. Yeah. Oh, you you want you want a game? No, 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 no. This is no. This is just presentation. This is yeah. This is just this. And look, you'll remember not all that long ago, Stephen Stamkos, when he scored 500 earlier this year, the game stopped as his teammates came off the bench. Now there wasn't a presentation. There wasn't a passing of the torch. It was just a a very cool personal accomplishment. So I 
I would imagine when I'm I'm, I'm going to say when I don't think it's an if I'll say when Ovechkin breaks that record they'll probably do something similar we'll have Gretzky cam if you will you know similar as we had to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar last night passing some Connor Bedard uh, from the prospects game where they just have him (laughs) fully on screen all the time (laughs) I kind of felt bad for Kareem because like every time he did not look happy like every time because you wouldn't be happy either if a camera was literally in your face for the entire game. There to see and your record that you thought would well, never get broken. Stupid. get broken. He's not stupid. He knows every single time LeBron hits a bucket that they're going to flash over to him and see what he's doing. Right? And it's like, why, the guy's not going to... What is he going to do? Is he going to get up and applaud every time LeBron hits another fadeaway? Like, stop. And give the guy five minutes alone to have a drink and just enjoy it. And look, he handled it great. I thought the moment was cool with him passing the ball to LeBron. LeBron certainly seemed to appreciate that uh, in that moment. And Kareem is one of those guys that I feel is so highly respected in the NBA, especially when you hold a record like that for 40 years. There's just so much that goes into it. And it's, you know, it's cool. It was a Laker to a Laker. LeBron, I don't know if he's a Laker great. As Wilt or Kobe or... Certainly on a few people's Mount Rushmore's. Yeah, but I just mean longevity-wise. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's not a lifetime Laker. He was never drafted by by L.A. Right. He might not finish with a, a ton of championships in L.A. either. He got his one, so... So... he's He cemented himself in the franchise. Sure he has, 100%. Whether he's an all-time Laker... Well, starting five, I don't know. Uh, a couple texts at nine six zero nine six zero. This this guy not a LeBron fan. Uh, amazing how a guy can go from having a zero class hissy fit on the court one night and then set the scoring record the next guy uh, next night. Cool guy. Uh, this one said uh, when Gretzky beat Hal's record, they stopped the game and did the full presentation. Okay, so some context to that. And then uh, Aaron and Red Deer says, of course, the game was stopped. It's a star. Uh, the NBA, I expected it, and I think the NHL should do it more. An otherwise meaningless game against OKC, like you said, a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Who won? I really don't know, and I also don't care. All-time leading scorer is worth the pause. Very cool moment. And yeah. OKC did end up winning that game, by the way. So they're happy. Yeah, but again, did, did anyone care? No. Did, did anyone in this segment text in or think or care about what the score was? Not really. OKC deserves some praise for winning that game. I, they, they did great. They did the thing and they did the win. But they're terrible, aren't SGA they? was Isn't, really I'm good last pretty night. Sure, uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure Oklahoma City Thunder are not having a good year. They're very young. They're like one of the youngest teams in the league. Mm-hmm. It's a rebuild. In progress. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those awkward nights, too. It's like, you know, I want to defend LeBron, but I don't want to hit the jumper over me. Yeah, okay, okay, see, they're terrible. They're below 500. They're 26 and 28. They're not going to make the playoffs in the West. Lakers are below the Thunder, so they're both terrible. Great. Wonderful. That's exactly what I was hoping for. Exactly. This texter said, uh, OKC has a better record than the Lakers. Yes, there you go. Perfect. 
Wonderful. They're both terrible. So they all that matters is the record. This night in Cancun. Yeah. It's about the friends we make on the way. Yeah, it's all about LeBron and his fancy suits. Uh, congratulations to LeBron James breaking the scoring record. Be interesting to see where that one lands. Uh, as a couple people I was texting with last night said, seems like a near impossible record to break. I have no, I have no idea what impossible to break means anymore because you always say that, but I, I just don't know how realistic. I mean, people, I mean, the game changes. We think there's never going to be another LeBron and then LeBron showed up. Right. And, so I don't I don't know what for me it's hard to say that it'll never get broken. Do I think it's going to be a very 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 long time before it gets broken? Yes. Of that I have no doubt. But uh, to me saying things are unbreakable nowadays is just yeah with it's kind of hard to to say. With the cream of talent that's coming into the league right now, at least for NBA, nothing's nothing's impossible to get broken anymore. Uh, quick note on this, too, before we uh, get out for this segment. Uh, did want to pass this along. Justin Dunk, uh, CFL insider from 3 Down Nation, reporting today uh, that Jameer Thurman, former Calgary Stampeders linebacker, has come to terms on a deal with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and will not return to Calgary next season. Instead, will uh, head to Hamilton where his boy Bo Levi Mitchell is now slinging the rock in case you missed that earlier on in the offseason. Uh, Dave Dickinson spoke to the media yesterday at McMahon. The topic of Jameer Thurman was brought up. said, yeah, look, we're, we're talking. We're hoping to get something done. You just you never know what's going to happen in these negotiating windows. And uh, at least according to uh, to Justin Dunk, that negotiating window has opened up an agreement between Hamilton and Jameer Thurman, and that's a... I can only speak as a massive loss for the Calgary Stampeders. You can't keep everybody in the CFL. You can't pay everybody. Uh, it's just how it works. But that is a huge loss for the Stampeders and a massive gain defensively for Hamilton. Jameer Thurman is a tackling machine. He's a great leader. He's been a great leader ever since his time in Calgary. Uh, sure tackler, just a guy that you want to have on your team. And uh, his presence is going to be sorely missed by the Calgary Stampeders. He formed a great linebacking duo with Cam Judge last season. Uh, that was one of the best in the CFL. And of course, these things can always change. But you know, when it gets to the point of guys like Dunk or Hodge or you know Farhan Lalji or whoever it is covering the CFL, by the time that you know they start reporting these things, they're pretty certain. Um, that everything but pen to paper has been signed and is agreed to. So, yes, a, a massive loss for the Calgary Stampeders. Haven't heard too much other CFL news uh, in the last 24 hours uh, when it comes to big CFL free agents uh, across the league. The big news yesterday uh, was a pair of Alouettes potentially heading to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when free agency opens on the 14th. Uh, Trevor Harris, one of those guys that could be heading uh, to the green and white. So CFL free agency sounds like uh, it'll start off with a bang when all of these contracts can officially be put into the CFL registry and approved. So in case you missed it, uh, Justin Dunk reporting that Jameer Thurman, Calgary Stampeders linebacker, set to move on from the team and sign a deal with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. It is Super Bowl weekend in Arizona. It's the Eagles and the Chiefs. 
Let's start taking a look at both the teams as we get closer to kickoff on the weekend. We'll start it off with a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.